Welcome to the Mom's Day Bunker with Carrie Henson. In the bunker, you will find joy, grief, laughter, and remembrance. It is a safe place for moms to gather during the storms of motherhood, to share stories and to encourage each other as we navigate doomsday moments that change the trajectory of our path as women. Our stories contain difficult subjects that may be triggering for some listeners. These are real stories from real moms that are surviving, have survived, and are thriving after the unthinkable happened. Please take care of your mama heart as we cozy up together, take shelter from the world, and begin. So, Mary Helen is 18, and Suzanne is just turned 15 on Sunday. All right. So. Oh, well, happy birthday, Suzanne. Yeah. Happy, yeah, just, happy birthday. Two, t- 15 and two Wait days. a minute. So you almost had a Christmas baby? We almost did. <gasps> we almost did. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, we almost. Well, she was she was due in February and was born in December. in December. And then Mary Helen was due in November and was born in August. Okay. So. And how did, you know. How, so how did you, this is a question I love to ask. Yes. When did motherhood begin for you? Well, Funny enough, my husband and I joke about where I used to work. I could come home for lunch every day. So I stopped on the way home and took a test. And we stood in the kitchen and both waited for the seven minutes or whatever it was then. And we took off and ran and ran the test. And we're so excited because we'd only been married a minute. We got married in November. I got pregnant really quickly. She was actually due on our wedding anniversary. Aww, and so we cute. were just married a very short period of time. But we were older. I mean, I was already, I was 34 when I got married. So I knew we both were like, well, we got to get on with it. And so um, then, you know, and things were, were going well. And I was going to the doctors, but my blood pressure was a little wonky. And so I was going a little more often than usual. So at 25 weeks with Mary Helen, um, they put me to bed. And gave the steroid shots and did all the stuff. And I was completely oblivious to the seriousness of it. They made it, they explained it that it was serious. But I was just like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And so um, I just wasn't feeling good. I kept feeling bad. I just, I told my husband, I think um, I need to go and do my glucose test. Because I wasn't feeling well. And he thought it was indigestion. He's not an MD, but he just decided yeah, but it was they always indigestion. know, right? <laughs> and so I called my sister and I said, I've sent him for Tums, but I think something's wrong. Like I had this horrible pain in my chest. And so I said, You need to go ahead and just take me. So we went to Willowbrook Methodist is where we went, because that's where the where we were going. And so um they took my blood pressure and it was just off the charts. Like I don't want to exaggerate it because I don't remember the number, but it was like 200 over 120 or something. Mm. It was something so crazy. So they said, oh, <laughs> this isn't great. And so they immediately said, we're going to do an IV of magnesium. I said, I need to go to the bathroom. You can't get out of bed. It was just crazy. But before we were going, we were driving, and he's like, you know, you're going to feel so silly when they just, you know, give you some Tums. And I said, yeah, I guess, but I just feel like I need a burp. I have this horrible indigestion. And so there's... Pregnancy-induced hypertension, then there's preeclampsia, there's eclampsia, and then there's HELP syndrome. What What is that? What is It's H-E-L-L-P, and it's like 7% of the women have it. And so you just skip over it in the book 
because you think I've you're not. I've never heard of it. I know. No, I've had six kids. Yeah. Because I so, know about the high blood pressure and the preeclampsia and all the things. Yeah. But I've never heard of mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think, like I said, in the what to expect, you just go right past it because it's 7%. And what it basically means is that your body has just decided this placenta has to go. And so we're just going to stop working. Your organs just kind of say, meh, get rid of this one, get rid of the placenta, and then we'll start working again. So the pain I had was that my kidneys or my liver, nothing was working. So my blood was dirty. So I just felt this chest pain. But I didn't know. Again, ignorance is bliss because I wasn't scared. I just thought, I need a burp. Can you give me a Coke? You know, I just need to burp. Because you're a first-time mommy. Yeah. You know, this is int- I love this. I love stories like this because I have, um, I have what I call mommy feelers. And to me, your mommy feelers were up. Do yeah. you, are you from Texas? Mm-hmm. So out in West Texas, there are these little red ants mm-hmm. that crawl everywhere, little army ants. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more out there than they are here in the um, swamps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fire ants rain. But they have these little antennas, right? Mm-hmm. The little bugs antennae. Mm-hmm. And they feel, and they feel, and they feel, and they feel. And there's the slightest change in the weather or something they know. Right. Because their feelers are telling them. And, I, and I've yeah. always said, when my mommy feelers are up, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Yeah. Something's going on. And yeah. you got to listen to it. And it sounds like your mommy feelers were up. You just didn't know. Right. I just, I didn't. And so um, I'm like, well, this is crazy. You know, this is, I, I really d- didn't know what to expect and what to think. And so my doctor wasn't there. So a different doctor came in and he said, well, um, we're going to go ahead and deliver the baby. And I was like, no. How, how many weeks were you? 27. And I said, no, I said, no, 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 not out here in the country, you know, at Willowbrook Methodist. No, you know, not there's nothing wrong with that hospital, but I thought the, the medical center is like half an hour we got to go there. Like, I can't have a baby this early out here. And they were like, no, 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 no. We've called Texas Children, and they're already sending a kangaroo crew, which is basically a NICU ambulance. And I was like, uh, no, we're not doing it here. And I just was determined. So my husband started calling our family and stuff to come because we were just really scared, obviously. And the doctor told Maurice, well, let's step outside for a minute and, you know, just get it together. So I was just like, get my clothes back on. We're leaving. You know, I'm not staying here. And then, again, we had only been married at that point about nine months because we got married in November. This is August. And I had lived independent up until we got married. So I had been calling my own shots, I guess, until I was 34. Had not shared a space with him. So it's like we were new with each other. And he came in and he said, we're having the baby here. That's it you know? And I just felt very like, well, if he's okay with it, then I guess it's okay. But it was very calming that he was so about it. And so what he didn't tell me or anybody was that Dr. White told him, you have an hour and they're both dead. So we got to get the baby out. And so he, Maurice, held that in his everything, you know? So I was just Again, ignorance is bliss. I knew things weren't right because they're all of a sudden wheeling me down to have a baby. But I wasn't aware how sick I was, you know, and how sick, how a lot of times what they said will happen is like your body will just contract and the baby's just coming, you know, and however that happens, it's apparently pretty dangerous, obviously. So, yeah, they wheeled me back, and I they completely under. It was more like a surgery than a delivery. Nobody was in the room. It was, I mean, I was out, so there were people there. But 
And so I woke up and here comes Maurice. And I'm like, okay, you know, and he said, oh, she's, you know, she's got a head of hair. And I said, well, how big is she? And he said, yeah. And, you know, I was back there and, you know, they were doing some things and she let out a little noise. I said, well, how big is she? And I just kept, and finally I said, I don't care about the other details. Well, how big is she? And he said, she was 112. And I understand there's a baby's born smaller than that, but we didn't know. We'd never seen anything that small ever. And so um, for comparison, when they brought her by the ICU for me to see her before the Nick, before the kangaroo took her, her ear is like a man's shirt dress, like a dress shirt, like a button. Like that was the size of her ear. Her head was like a racquetball. It was like she was the littlest. She was a fetus. Honestly, she looked like a little fetus because she was so tiny. So really that, I say the first 99 days of motherhood was the hardest. Like everything else has been, well, we've handled that. We can handle anything she does now or any, I mean, she's had issues and not medical issues, but we've had some trouble with her a little bit, like bickering and arguing and things like that. But I really feel like, it's like, you know what? We gave it to you at the beginning. So the, our kids have been pretty easy. So 99 days, that's three months. Yeah. So she was in for 99 days. We brought her home. The, did you like live at the hospital? Yes, I did. <laughs> did, you, did you have to quit your job? Like, well, I was beyond blessed that my, when I went out for bed rest, I knew I was going to be out for a bit. So they helped, they replaced me at work, but they said, when you're ready, we're going to have a job for you. So don't worry about that. So I didn't. So I was off. So I took off the beginning of August and I didn't go back to work till I guess mid-January. But um, yes, I lived at Texas Children. I could get there with my eyes closed. We, I went every day because I didn't have a, another baby at home. I didn't have a pet. I mean, there was no reason not to go. And so, yeah, I was there a lot. And we saw a lot. I mean, we really, you know, you know, we'd see babies there that were going, to, leaving to like a baby nursing home because they were never going to get better. Because they were premature? Because they had, it was, I mean, it was various reasons, but you can only be in the NICU to your 12 months, evidently. Oh. So at 12 months, they had to go. And they have, I didn't know they had baby nursing homes, but baby care places like that. And then we would hear people like babies getting last rites. I mean, it was, it was tough. But she was really, remember I told a good friend of my mom, we are so lucky, we are so lucky, we're so lucky. And she's like, quit saying you're lucky because you're blessed. You know, she's, she just has to grow. She really didn't have a lot of setbacks. Um, she was born right before Katrina. And so we, there, a lot of babies came and a lot of people came and it was a it was it wasn't chaotic for us of course but it was just there was a lot of tension you know just in the hospital and in the room and in the NICU and um but really she she moved from level 3 to level 2 and it's funny you say that about the antenna because i had been saying you know, she just seems restless. I give her a bottle and she takes her a long time to settle down. And I would try to stay and give her a bottle like eight o'clock at night and let the traffic die down and then go home and then come back. Well, I said it a few times and Maurice said, they know what they're doing, you know? And I was like, mm, they do. Of course they do. I mean, it's the 
it's a great hospital, and they do know what they're doing, but I just felt like she doesn't seem well to me. And they go, preemies grunt a lot. You know, they just are kind of grunters. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. But I just thought, mm, no. And one, and I swear it's the truth. <laughs> we were at home, and I just woke up. And I said, hmm, I don't know about this. And he was like, Camille, just, you know. I said, I'm going to call. And he's like, don't call. Just everything's whatever. And literally, Carrie, within an hour, they called us. Oh, wow. And they said, well, she's had a little setback, and um, we had to resuscitate, and we're moving her back to level three, because you're in level three, which is two babies, one nurse, to level two, which is one baby to four. I mean, four babies to one. But you can't leave the hospital. You have to go through level two to get out. So um, we got in the car and drove, and I said, I will never, ever let anyone poo-poo me again. I knew something wasn't right with her. I knew it, and I let—I was intimidated by the doctors. Not that they tried to intimidate me, but I knew. I mean, they know medical, but she was my kid, you know? And I told Maurice even then, I said, you know, when it comes to, like, buying a car and things like that, you can make all the decisions. But if my gut tells me something about this kid, just let me do it. And he's like, you're right. He's like, I I just, you know— we trust the hospital, we, and we do trust, and they did a good job, and they kept our baby alive. Yeah, but there, there's something, um, it's actually being studied and proven over and over again. There is a, a molecular connection mm-hmm. between the mother and the child yeah. for the rest of that child's life. Yeah. And it is the strongest ages zero to five. Like, it's the strongest yeah. connection I believe it. there. And, and we're built that way for a reason. Because we, you know, we were we were dying off left and right with the mammoths and the, right. the cyber, you know, whatever in the cave times and and through all the years. And there is this spiritual connection mm-hmm. that I believe very strongly in between a mother and a child. Yep, I believe it too. And, I and that's what peaks those feelers, man. Mm-hmm. And if you don't listen to them, you're gonna get burned every time. Right, and I just. Thought I'm never going to second guess it again, and you know the funny thing about her too. So the day Maurice, well, he told me he's like, "You're going to feel so silly when they tell you that." I was like, "Whatever." So that day she was born, they took her. Everyone's at the hospital, and I was, you know, kind of out of it. Um, and he came back to the hospital later, like much later that night. And um, I believe the phrase he used was, you're going to feel like such a jerk when they tell you you just have indigestion or something to that effect. And so he came in. He's like, well, I guess I'm the jerk. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> who would have thunk it? You know, who would have known it? But he said that he walked in and my mom was with him the first day. And he said, it's like they're building babies. They're like babies of every size. They're just, you know, it's the craziest thing. And he walked up to her bed and he's like oh my gosh she's so small she's so small she's so small she's so small and there he said there was a young nurse her name was Lindsay and he she said to him "Eh, she's more like a medium to us and that was like a godsend like her little off the cuff comment like gave us so much hope because we were like she's not viable this is not a viable size we just didn't believe it yeah because we've never seen anything like it before in our lives. I mean, we just were, I mean, my sister's, you know, my net brother and his wife had just had a baby three months earlier, and he was a big, you know, 
I don't know what he weighed, but yeah, Chunky Monkey. My Mm -hmm. sister's kids were all big, husky kids, you know. And I thought, what are we going to do with this little wisp? She's a little wisp. And we did not really think she was going to, we just thought this is no way she's going to survive this. Did they, so when she was born, did the doctor, did they sit down and have a conversation with you and say, this is what you're looking at for her life? Or were they like, no, she'll be fine. Just going to take time. Well, I mean, they do the brain bleed test at seven days and she had zero. There was nothing. So she wasn't jostled, of course, and she didn't come through the birth canal, so her brain didn't get pressed. She wasn't dropped, of course, you know. So there was nothing wrong with her physically. She just had to grow and just had to learn, like, to take a bottle and remember to breathe, you know. I mean, just the basic stuff that she's not supposed to know when she's still in uterine, you know. And so he said that, you know, she just was so small, and she was, and then— we couldn't really, like, we would go to visit. So I had her on a Wednesday. I got out of the hospital on Sunday. And um, they said, don't talk. Don't talk when you're near her. Don't don't agitate her. It wasn't the word they used, but that was the point. Like, if she hears you, she's restless. Don't do it, you know. I couldn't, we couldn't even touch her. I mean, because her skin was like tissue. Because she was, you could see through her skin. It was crazy. It's like a little frog. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. Wow. And so it was two weeks before I could even hold her. And so that was probably like one of the best moments ever because they did the kangaroo care. And so they put her on my chest and literally carry all of her, like, you know, there's all the monitors all the time. Everything was perfect. And I was like, I told Maurice, I said, I've been waiting way longer than two weeks to hold my baby. Like, I've always wanted to be a mom. Always. My mom was a great mom. I had a fantastic mother. And I always just wanted to be a mom. So when I got to be in my 30s and I didn't even have a boyfriend, I was like, this is not right. I've, you know. So then I met Maurice, of course, and ta-da-da, here we are. But I had been wanting to be a mother my whole life. So it's like, this is not two weeks. This is many years that I've waited for this feeling to be able to hold a baby, hold my baby. And so it was just perfect. It was just perfect. But I think that those moments and like my feelers about she's not feeling well, or I know there's something up with her, or this is not just indigestion. We should probably just go take my glucose test as a way to get Maurice to take me to the hospital. I could have taken myself, but I wasn't supposed to be driving. And and it wasn't like he was like, no, just stay here. You're fine. Yeah. But you know, you just don't believe something like that happens because you just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And then and, and men too, I think in that I'm guessing my senses during that time when they have a wife who's pregnant, especially the first one, their thoughts are providing, protecting, yeah. making sure the car seats put in correct like they're they can they can only deal with the things they can control, right? Yeah. They can't yeah. control your body. No. They can't control like what's happening no. inside. It's a it's a miracle. It's like yeah. so I always give dads a lot of slack. Yes. It's like, oh man, they, yeah. they're, well, doing, they're, they're doing the best they can with what they know. Well, the funny thing is at that time, Maurice worked in traffic. And so all he did was investigate fatal accidents. That's what he did all day long at work. That was it. And he liked the reconstruction part of it and like to measure the skid and the crush and the blah, blah, blah. Not the, I mean, there's sad, every, every thing was a sad story. So when we brought Mary Helen home, we had, he had a truck and I had a Camry when I had her. And before we brought her home, he went and bought an excursion. Because he's like, mass wins. 
every time in every accident I work, the bigger truck, the people walk away, the people, the bigger yeah. vehicle. And so he's like, we're buying the biggest vehicle that is out there. <laughs> and we had her little tiny car seat right in the middle. So you're right. It's like, how can I protect them? What can them? I control? Can, yeah. yeah. And that was it. So we had that big bus oh. forever and ever. <laughs> we had that big thing. And he was like, this is the biggest thing we can get her. And I was like, all right. You know, so it was funny. But yeah, he his he's very black and white and super logical. And so, yeah, he just couldn't believe that. He didn't think she was viable either. We just didn't believe it. So what happened when they called you that night and you woke up and, and you're like, I need to call them. And they're like, no, she's gone back down to a three. Like what happened? She had, she stopped breathing. She was just, she was sick. She just had a, um, she didn't have a blood infection or anything like that. She just was sick and her breathing got labored. And so she stopped breathing. And, you know, a lot of times we would be there and the breathing monitor would stop, but I'm holding her and she's breathing and I see that, you know, and I would reset it. I'm like, ah, oh, she's fine. Ah, oh, she's fine. And again, great hospital, nothing but praise for them. But I think the level two nurses, the kids are getting bigger and they're on their way out. And so maybe, I don't want to say lack of days because that's not a fair assessment of that place. But I think there was a little more like, yeah, these. She look at her. She's bigger. She's not 112 anymore. She's, you know, she's gotten so much bigger and healthier and all these things. And I think that, I think her alarm was, I don't know, because the, it was all cleared when we got there. Because mm-hmm. I, when we walked in, I said to him, we were washing our hands, you know. And I said, just brace yourself. I said, I am not, I want to know what happened. And she just stopped breathing. And I guess the alarm went off and it was, assumption was, you know, the tag fell off her foot or, you know, mm-hmm. just the kind of assumption you make, oh, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And so we went back to level three and she had, I mean, she had to be intubated. It was a big mess. And that's why, um, like to the theater thing, when we were at Susical, Mary Helen was sour kangaroo. And there was a time she was intubated at the, at the NICU. And when she would cry, nothing would come out because her vocal cords were hitting the cord the the tube. And so we said on more than one occasion, I wonder what her voice is going to be like. Not her singing voice, of course, but just like her voice, just because we couldn't hear anything from her because nothing would happen. And so that that was another like little moment that we went right back to when we heard her singing in that show because we've heard her in the house and, you know, we heard her voice, of course, at that point. She's 15 or 16 years old. But we just, it was just a moment for us. Like, well, now we know what her voice is like. And so we were so emotional sitting there at this silly show. Susie cool. It's not even serious, but and it was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was so big. She was, when she was a sophomore, mm-hmm. it was so big to us because it was like, wow, what a moment, like what a path. And it just reminded us of us wondering what her voice would be like. Again, not a singing voice, but just, then we heard that and we were like, wow, wow. So, so she had to be in level three for a couple weeks and then um, until they just got her well. I mean, there wasn't any serious diagnosis. It was just she got sick. Just, yeah. I don't know, just like a little, little, um, little virus or something. A little, like a little, little bronchitis or yeah. something, you know, it was, so that was, Which that was that. Which is easy to pick up in a hospital. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Especially it is. when you're there long term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then the funny thing with Suzanne we went to um, the doctor who we had with Suzanne. We went to visit a doctor who um, was like serious, very serious lady. And 
we had to get an appointment by a friend. It was a big to-do. And we went to see her, and she said, um, well, I was expecting to see y'all yesterday because I'd sent all of our information. I wasn't pregnant. We were just debating if we should. And one of my sisters said, well, okay, but why? Is it, is it, is it, was it going to happen again? Well, we, we didn't know. Okay. We couldn't, we didn't really understand why it happened. Honestly, of course, I blame myself. I was like, well, I'm overweight and that's why. And the blah, blah, blah. I'm older. I was, I was, I still was 34 when we had her, but just by a minute, you know, because she was, came early. Yeah. So I thought it was me. I thought, well, I'm too old or it's all these contributing factors. I thought it was all something I had done or I, what was the deal? And so I remember we talked about having, an, we wanted another baby and, um, and one of my sisters made a very valid point, which sounds harsh, but it wasn't. She's like, well, you have to be careful if you're going to give Mary Helen a sibling or a burden. I mean, are you going to potentially saddle her with care, you know, because something could have gone terribly wrong with Mary Helen. I mean, she could have had a multitude of issues, you know, that could have been a baby daycare for her, you know, and we we couldn't, we can't afford 24-hour nursing care in our house, you know, and so it was harsh, but it was worth thinking about. Like, we have this perfectly healthy baby. Do we risk another baby that may not, and there's worse things than having a non-healthy baby, and I understand how absurd that sounds. But but you know what? Listen, Camille, it is not absurd to the mom that's listening to this right now who's in the NICU. Right. It's not absurd to that mom who is listening to this and is on bed rest in the hospital praying that she can hold on one more hour. Mm-hmm. So it's a scary thing. It's a scary, scary thing. And someone asked me like, what is this mom's day moment? Like, I don't know if I really qualify. And I said, girl, I am not, I am not one to tell you what is or what isn't because my son had cancer and he's alive. Yeah. How many kids did I meet that aren't? Right. Right. So many, so many. Yeah. 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 And that doesn't make their pain worse than mine or my pain worse than theirs. Right. Or it's just, it just is. Well, and just what, what you're dealing with is the biggest thing ever. Yeah. And you, you're yes, smart you're enough. you're in the moment. Yeah. I mean, you're smart <laughs> enough to realize there's always someone with it worse. Yes. There's always someone with it better. And, but, I, you know, and I, you're empathetic to understand there's always someone with it worse. Yeah. Right? We saw it. We saw, yes. like I said, we saw babies getting last rites. I mean, right there. That I mean, just makes a, me want to cry. It makes yeah. me tear up because I, yeah. when you said that earlier, my my brain my brain works like a, um like a Picasso piece mm. of art or something. It's just all crazy all the time. Right. And I have all these squirrel moments going on and and um, I'm getting better at not just shouting out the squirrel thoughts that <laughs> I have, but I- Squirrel. I, I know. <laughs> I always said that being on the pediatric oncology floor with Super G, it was like he had the flu compared to the other kids there mm. because we, we were very, very lucky. Uh, yeah. The, just all of it kind of- fell into place. Right. You right, know, right. and so when you said that, I was like, I bet you did see some things. Yeah. I bet you saw some real hard <clears throat> things. We did. And we didn't, we didn't, we just knew what we were doing. You know, we just knew that we're going to come down here and we're going to see her every day. And Maurice would go at night because he was at work. And we just, but again, we realized, I mean, there were times you'd see couples bickering and arguing, stress, I'm sure stress, you know, and we didn't, like, it really galvanized us. It did. It was like, 
that's the right word, right? Like it just, yeah, that yeah. was our bond because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that. And a newly married couple. Yes. And that's what it was. Like we've been married a minute, you know, and then here we are in this moment that's really very high stress. And that's what we said. Like we got through that. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten through a lot. And that was, again, just the beginning. And now, of course, you know, but nothing like other people have suffered with their kids. You know, things have gone on with them. It's like we got it all the way at the beginning, I guess. So Hopefully. she's, what, four and y'all are thinking of having another one? Yeah. So that, she was about, timeline right? she was about three, about three or almost three. And I said, we already started talking about it. So we went to see this doctor. And when I told my current OB, I said, yeah, we're going to go see... Um, Dr. Adam down at the medical center. She's like, oh, she's tough. I said, what okay. does that mean? She's tough. Like, she's I didn't like, know, you know? <laughs> like, she's like, like a, <laughs> and so, scold you, I, so we, in a corner. We, like, what does that mean? we were nervous a little bit. <laughs> and we had in our head a, like a percentage, like a number. If she says 90% chance of this happening again, then we were going to be done. Because like, you know what? This, we had it, we had formulated a plan. And so, we went to the appointment, and we waited and waited, and then they brought us in, you know, and she's a very stern German lady, and um, she said, so tell me about your pregnancy. I said, well, it was actually great until the day she was born. That's not true. Two weeks before, and she starts rattling off my chart, like everything, and I thought, oh, she is she's tough. smart, and she knows, you know, and she said, um, this is what I would recommend. She said, same dad? Is this the same dad? I said, yep. same, <laughs> same dad. And she said, okay. She said, what's going to happen is you're going to have another preemie. But your body will not attack it as early as it did. Like your body's going to say, okay, we've had this foreign here before. It didn't kill us. We're going to let it stay a little longer. He said, she said, so I will get you further along, but you're going to do what, you've got to do what I say. And if I put you on bed rest, what does that mean to you? And I said, well, it meant that I was on the couch or the bed unless I was in the bathroom. And she's like, okay. Because a lot of people don't really think that's what it means. I said, I took it pretty literally. I had a headache because I laid down the whole time. You know, I didn't know. And so she said, okay, well, you know, um, I can't remember now the percentage that she told us. She said, you will go further, mm-hmm. but you won't have another 27. But you're not going to go to 35 or 36. So, oh, okay. And so... So this is just your this is just how your body is going to behave with pregnancy. Yes, yeah, something or about the two of us. The, I guess. It's the two I of mean, you. You know, it's just how yeah, I get I got pregnant easily. Yeah. Um I just they don't you know, my body just says, well, that's not what's enough of that. Yeah. Out <laughs> you go, you know. <laughs> and so with Suzanne, we really had I mean, we went to the doctor all the time, an ultrasound every time. I mean, just everything, everything, everything. And um, when we got to 27, and I wasn't even close to, ha- I mean, and Dr. Adam was like, it's great. Everything's rolling. Great. I remember I started crying. And she was like, why are you crying? And I said, well, because this is when we had Mary Helen. And I said, and you're saying I'm not even close, you know? So this is like a win. This is a big win. And... um. So I went to an appointment and she said, eh, we're going to go ahead and just put you in the hospital here at St. Luke's and um, we're just going to keep, keep an eye on at you. At what week? What week were uh, 31. 31. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so. Um, That's way past 27. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I mean, 
yes, a month in uterine is life-changing on a baby. I mean, it's amazing what happens in a month. And so um, I was there, and Marie said, well, when we go home, blah, 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 blah. And I said, Maurice, I'm not leaving here pregnant. She has me in this hospital with a monitor. She's, I'm not leaving here. No, I think we're going to go. And I was like, again, we're not. And I wasn't even really that, I guess I felt like, well, I've made it past Mary Helen. She's fine. Again, completely naive. But still, you know, but the crazy thing with Suzanne is she had the markers to be downs. And we just kept it to ourselves because I felt like, but they didn't say that she was going to have Downs. They just said she has the, the markers. markers. And we didn't do an amnio because we just were like, well, you know. And we, But we yeah. didn't do a 3D ultrasound either. And so before, like, I guess that last visit, I said, can we do a 3D? I kind of want to see your face, you know. Because I was very curious also about that, you know. Like, I want to know. I kind of want to prepare myself a little more. And... um and they did her little face, and I was like, "It's little Maurice. It's not even, you know, it's, that's that's him." And so um, I said, "Well, I think she's. We're going to have her like in the next couple of days. I don't think she's going to let me go home. You know, to do what? I can just do it here because she's, you know." So she came in on the December tenth, and we had gone to the doctor's appointment in shorts, and it snowed on the tenth. Like we had, you know, how the weather. You what know, year, what year was she born? Uh, eight. 2008. So December 10th, 2008, it snowed. And, but again, on the 7th, when we went to the doctor's appointment, we were in shorts. So it was just funny. Well, and, listen, it's, so should, I have, I've been recording moms all over. Like I have one in North Carolina and, mm. and one in California, one up in the Great Lakes area. We don't get snow in Houston, y'all. Yeah. Like it doesn't happen. It's and not normal. It is not, a, like it is so mm-hmm. normal to wear shorts. In, in the December, winter. Yeah. Or Christmas. Like, it, really, mm-hmm. all year long. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. just real normal. So mm-hmm. this is just, I think it's so cool that yeah. it snowed that day. It snowed that day. And we were just like, oh, okay. And so she, the doctor came in around 10. And he, she said, I think we're going to get her. We're going to go ahead and bring her on out. You know, she's not getting what she needs. Your placenta is not doing its job. So we're, let's bring her out. So... At the appointment before, like a few days before, she said, I think she's going to be around 212. I said, okay, we'll take it. whole pound. whole pound. Wow. So for Suzanne's, when she was born, of course, Maurice was in the room because it was not an emergency. It's like, okay, well, it's 10 o'clock at night, but, you know, it's a 24-hour facility, St. Luke's. And so we go in, and I'm completely awake for it, and... um. They do what they do, and you, everything is going on, and Maurice is there, and I didn't plan to have a baby that day, so I had eaten dinner, so then I got sick. So Maurice says, Maurice gets sick if he hears people getting sick. <laughs> so she's like, get him out. Get him out. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not going to throw up. And he was, she, but, so then they get her out, whatever they do down there, and um, she said, stand up and look at her. And so... Marie stood up and I said, oh my God. I said, because I couldn't see. I said, what does she look like? And he said, she's huge. Oh my God, Camille, she's huge. And he said, every nurse in the room got whiplash. They were like, and he's like, you don't understand. Our other baby was 112. So she, Suzanne looked like a tiny baby where Mary Helen really did look like a fetus. I mean, she did not, like I would say Mary Helen Grace with the 
sweetest little face or little angel face. And my nephew, who was young at the time, he's like, more like Mary Helen Grace of the alien race. (laughs) I was like, no, she's so perfect. But anyway, so Suzanne was just like a little baby. And so— And how how big was she? Was she she 2'12 or— She was actually— 213. And so Dr. Adams said, what did I tell you she would weigh? I said, you told me 212. And she said, what did you eat? (laughs) And I was like, oh, her personality is, you know, (laughs) then she was, I mean, I was very intimidated by her at the beginning, but then I got to really got where I liked her a whole lot. And I had gone for, I guess, the six week final visit. And I was in the office and I could hear all the ultrasounds going, but I had, we had decided too, was it like we were going to be done. I was already 38 we're not going to do it anymore. And, um, oh, and Suzanne had actually began as twins, but we didn't know. I thought I was having a miscarriage. So we went in and she said, there's this thing called disappearing twin syndrome, where if we had gone to the doctor three weeks earlier, there's two. And then one just gets absorbed. Usually it gets absorbed into your body. It's like at the very, 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 very beginning. And so what I thought was a miscarriage, was that, like, passing. But it was very early. So when we went into the, into the appointment, I was like, I'm supposed to be coming in in two weeks. Because I found out I was pregnant, and then I scheduled the appointment for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, yeah, that's what it is. There were two. So she's like, you see the little sack? There's nothing in it. You know, and we were like, oh. So she name was just something from the, from the jump. But um, anyway... That's kind of a little side story. But yeah, she said, uh, so I went in to my six-week checkup, and I could hear all the ultrasounds going, and I knew I was never going to do it again. And I always wanted three. That was just my number. And um, so when she comes in, I'm crying. I'm just so sad because I'm like, I'm never going to hear this again. You know. So she came and she said, do you cry every day? <laughs> and I said, no. And I, she's like, why are you crying? I said, because I'm never going to experience that again. Never. And I loved it. And I loved the very short time I was pregnant. I loved feeling them and move. I mean, I loved it. And, um, and she says, who says you can't do it again? And I was like, well, wait, you tied my tubes, right? <laughs> like, that's what I think. She goes, yes, I did. I said, well, then I'm done. She goes, you're not done. She's like, you're done when you say you're done. If you decide you want another baby, you come in, I will get you pregnant. Don't even worry about it. And I was like, okay. And I felt better. And I remember Maurice and I were driving and he's like, is she out of her mind? You know? (laughs) And so I said to him, you know what? As stern as she was and as serious as she was, she knew what I needed to hear right then, which is it's not over until you say it's over. But I knew it was over logically. And then of course that it faded. I mean, I don't feel that way now. I don't feel like, oh, I've I mourn the third I never had. I really don't feel that at all. But in the moment, I did. Because I was like, what? I could maybe do it one more time. But, um, but you know, it all worked out how it should have. But it was just funny how she knew, kind of like the NICU nurse, knew exactly what to say to, like, bring down. And again, just an off-the-cuff comment that, like, totally settled you. my heart. It yeah, you. it did. Yeah. It did. And so Suzanne... To the difference is she was only in the hospital 47 days. Okay. So that month, huge. Half the time. She was only there half as long. and Which is good because you had a, a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <at home. laughs> so that was a fun time just because she was so, she was in three, she was three. So she's in pre-K. So no matter where I was, I felt guilty. If I wasn't at the hospital with Suzanne, then I felt like 
oh my gosh, this poor baby's up there by herself. And in my mind, I guess I thought Suzanne was more alert and aware. When Mary Helen was TT tiny, I didn't, I was there because I could be. But when I wasn't, I didn't feel guilty because I was like, she isn't really, you know, I don't know why I just didn't feel guilty at all because I was like, well, there's nothing else I can do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Suzanne, if I was at the hospital, I felt guilty because then Mary Helen was without me. If I was, you know, it was, <clears throat> thankfully it only lasted 47 days because that was, you know, you just feel guilty when you, or yeah. I did. But I feel like, Camille, listening to you, that your, your motherhood actually started with your mom. Yeah, probably. Because you wanted to be a mom for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think that, well, I'm sure the answer is no, but did you, what, let me, let me rephrase it. What was your expectation or dream about motherhood? Because I'm assuming it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. <laughs> no, because I'm the youngest of seven. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, as I got older, like into my mid-20s, late-20s, I didn't think I was going to have seven kids. But, you know, I wanted a large family just because I came from a large family. But, um, yeah, my mom, that was where it kind of started. And, and she wasn't a perfect mom, but she was perfect for me. I mean, she was great. And I did not want to be anywhere but where she was. I loved being around her. Overall, I'm grateful for what I have with the girls and the life I have with them and what we're able to do with them. And But sometimes I think, gosh, if I'd had a few more, maybe I couldn't take Mary Helen to New York twice a year. You know, I probably couldn't do it. Or we couldn't send Suzanne to five weeks of scout camp. And I mean, the financial constraints that we may have if we'd had more. But I can't. I don't know. I just can't focus on it. I can't think about, well, I didn't meet Maurice until I was 31. So he's a perfect dad for my girls. And he's a perfect counterpart to me with our girls. Like he really, we are good yin and yang for them. And so had I met, I mean, I wouldn't know any different because I wouldn't know any different. But it meant, it had to happen the way it did. Because I can't imagine it any other way now. Mm -hmm. But I could imagine it when I was younger that I wanted a big family. But, you know, I feel like sometimes I didn't get that, but I got other, I got other things. Yeah. And I don't feel even sad about it because I feel like, you know. I, my number was seven. That was my number. Oh. It was. It was seven. And uh, I try not to think about it either because seven's not going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a little sad sometimes. Like, yeah. oh, I wish I had that, that, wish I had that number seven, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but then I go home to my six and I'm like, nope, six is good. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you say that. A very good friend of mine, Kathy, she and I have been friends since, for many, since we were 15. And she told me after I had Suzanne, she said, you know what? It's really okay to mourn the one you didn't get to have. She goes, it's okay. There has to be an expiration date on it. But it's okay that it doesn't make you ungrateful for the two that you have. It's okay to say, you know, even if it's just to yourself, I'm sad that I didn't get that third baby. I wish I had gotten that third baby, but I didn't. And, you know, it's okay. And again, I'm not going to live in it, right? you know, right. and I'm sure you don't either, you no, know. No, for but, sure. But, you know, it's just, it it's is there, sometimes it's there. Right? And, yeah. and I think about, you know, like, well, if that twin, you know, but then I think, then they may not have been viable. 
Well, that's you know? true. The placenta could barely feed yeah. one. You know, or it hard. I mean, I guess in my mind, I think hardened like hard, but it just wasn't as porous. Right. And so I think, gosh, it couldn't have supported two. I mean, yeah. There's no way it could have handled two. If it barely, I mean, again, she was bigger and healthier looking and more looked like a baby, but she's still pretty little. Mm-hmm. I mean, she came home from the hospital less than five pounds. Aww. Which people, a lot of people think you have to be five pounds, but you don't. You just have to be able to do. Do the things. Do your tricks. Yes. Yeah. You got to be able to do the So things. my mother-in-law had given me a dress for Suzanne, for Mary Helen, and it had like an American Girl doll with it. American Girl doll dress. And so um, that's what Suzanne wore home was an American Girl sized dress. Wow. So she and Mary Helen matched. That puts it into perspective. Yeah, she was so little. I mean, she came home. She was, oh gosh, I can't wait. I don't remember. She was right there at five, but she wasn't. She was four something. She was so little. I mean, just, but you know, I really wasn't as scared bringing her home. I just felt like, oh, I got it. You know, we did all right. You know, when you were, when you were there with Mary Helen, did you ever have like, did you ever have moments of, of just, man, why, like, what am I, why, why is this happening to me? What did I, what did I do wrong? Yeah, I did. I felt guilty. I felt, I mean, I knew I hadn't done anything on purpose. I hadn't like drank or done anything to, but now I know that has nothing to do with it. But I would look around in the NICU and it may have just been a devil playing with my brain. But like the other moms were either very, 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 very young, like mm-hmm. very young or overweight it's from my perspective. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, blame myself like why I'm overweight. And that's why my body's so busy supporting all this extra. There wasn't enough for her. You know, of course, I felt guilty. I felt once we kind of got out of the scary, scary, like, first month, I wasn't as scared anymore, but I felt bad. Mm-hmm. I felt terrible that, like, every time they'd have to start a new IV, I was like, oh, God, you know. And then they did a pick. And like they had, mm-hmm. so then we said she came oh, home looking like a little, little mangy. You know, they had to shave her little head, you know. And I just felt guilty. I really did. I felt like I did this. This is because—and I never felt, like— I mean, I guess I just felt guilty about the weight. That was the biggest thing. I just felt like my being overweight is what caused her to have to fight so hard at and, the beginning. And there's no truth in that. No, I just think it was in my head. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, there was a little boy next to us who we still exchange Christmas cards, um, who his his mom was in perfectly fine, normal, I mean, whatever is normal. I mean, she was yeah. not overweight. She wasn't, like, super skinny. She wasn't super young. They just— had a baby early, you know? So it's like, there was nothing to it. But in the moment, I did blame myself for sure. I thought I had done, like I said, I knew I hadn't done anything risky. I hadn't ignored doctor's orders. I hadn't done anything risky Mm -hmm. to hurt her. But I felt like that was what it was. Sometimes my mind will go to a place like, what did I do like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. that caused this to happen? Like a karma, like a karma cycle, you know? Like, Mm-hmm. Who did I piss off in the universe yes. to take it out on my kid, right? To, yes. to attack my kid, which mm-hmm. is a, which is a, a direct attack on on you as a mother. Yeah, I mean, it, I fully believe in spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. and and moms get attacked. They get attacked, and my mind will race. Like, what did I do? Yeah, what did I do? What what sin do I need to atone for? 
That is exactly right. I did a retreat at church, and I gave a talk, and one of the things I spoke about, um, there was a part in it where I said when she was born about that very thing, like, maybe I was a little too wild in my 20s, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, I Camille, was— Camille, were we not all a little you know, wild in but our you 20s? Know, I think, oh, my God, you know, like, oh, oh you know, I don't, I don't know. You just think, yeah, you do—that's exactly—and I—it's funny because you said this—another thing funny is that I said—my my talk was about God's mercy and how He's impacted my life, and I said the first thing He did for me was give me the parents He did. Like, that was the biggest blessing I have in my life, is that I had the parents I had. It's funny that you mentioned that about my mom, that she really was the biggest blessing, my mom and dad, really. But um, but yeah, I did in that talk talk about, I, there were times when I was like, I kissed a lot of frogs. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no tadpoles as a result of all those kisses, but like, did I do, you know? Yeah. yeah, you start to retrace everything you think you've done wrong or you've been taught is wrong or you shouldn't have done this and shouldn't have done that. I was 34 when I got married. You know, mm-hmm. I had kissed a boy or two or more, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But I start, yeah, you can, yeah, you can really be your worst enemy. Yeah, I didn't do it so much with, um, uh, I did it, I, I was really hard on myself when G got cancer in a karma sense. Oh. Like I knew I didn't do, I knew I didn't cause the cancer. Sure. Like that didn't, it didn't make sense that that could be what caused it. And, you know, they tell you that they don't really know what causes childhood cancer because it's very different than adult cancers. Adult cancers are are, are a direct, either genetic or environmental cause. Mm. Childhood cancers are very different. And, um, but boy, I started going like... All the things. I mean, I'm the baby of six mm-hmm. by 10 years. Oh, so wow. So my parents were like real done raising kids <laughs> by the time I started kinder. Like they were like, she can make her own toast. She can. Right, right, right. She can. She, and, and I was very precocious and very extroverted and very outspoken. I wasn't like a kid that really, and I, and I was very mature. I've always been very mature. So I wasn't like a kid that that was codependent or needy or Mm -hmm. like, I did not want their help. Like I can do it on my own. Right. And they were older and tired and they were like, great, thanks. Do it on your own. Yeah. (laughs) Which was okay until about 16. Sure. (laughs) 17, you know, somewhere around there. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, life just kind of has twists and turns and, and I'm so grateful for every step I have made. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that God has surrounded me with every step that I've made. Sure. Because uh, there were some, there were some missteps, you know, yeah. there were some missteps. And mm-hmm. I, and I just remember thinking, God, what did I do? I'm so sorry. I remember apologizing to G. I apologize oh. to this baby. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm oh, so gosh. sorry that this karma has landed on you. Which wow. is totally self-deprivating, you know. It's not yeah. even. There's no truth in it. There's no truth. That was my own. But you just try to make sense of the un. Yeah. Of something that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't I mean, make any sense. And and frankly, it's just pride. You know, if you worry about something, you think you can fix it, and you can't. Yeah. You know, that's just the pride. And and girl, I'm fifth generation Texan. Like pride is in my genetics. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Is deeply rooted in me. Yeah. But it's just. Um, it's hard. It's hard when you see your babies like that. And mm-hmm. you just you and you you can't fix it. 
So we look within ourselves, I think, right. and we're like, yeah, what did I do? I think that you're right. I think that's interesting what you said, too, that you feel like I did must have done something because it's so, I'm sure it feels so random, like, we'll give you cancer, and then this one, and then that one. But it's like, why mine? Why mine? What did, what, what did that? So, yeah, I would think you would you come up with something in your head to justify this terrible stroke of misfortune, I guess. Yeah. It was, it was the most beautiful misfortune mm. that could have befallen our family. How old was he? He was nine months. Nine months? He was nine months old, and I was five months pregnant with number five. And I had a three-year-old. Oh, gosh, let me get their ages wrong. Three, nine and 11. Wow. Yeah. And it, and I tell... What made you think he had something? I mean, what was... Well, the, I didn't. It was a total fluke. It was a total... It was a total God moment for me. So, you know, I... Girl... I never missed a doctor's appointment. Like I never missed a well check. Mm-hmm, I never missed. Mm-hmm. I was super crazy. Like I, because I don't what, like. What if they just you know just die? You know, right? <laughs> like, just right. laying there and they die. You know, like right. I was just. It was. I'm not that way anymore because I've learned through all these all this journey. But I was there was just a fear there. I think. Yeah. And I, anyways, he went to his nine month appointment, and the doctor did all the things. You know, mash on their tummy and rotate their legs and feel their head and sure. all the things. And exactly one week later, on Friday the 13th, hmm. he started running a fever. My kids do not get fevers. They don't get ear infections. They don't get any of that stuff. Right. And my grandma uh, was born in 1926. So she lived through the Depression. She didn't even live in an actual house till she was like 20. Oh, like wow. She was born in tents and cars and shacks and all the things. And, um, you know, they didn't have... A Walgreens with children's Tylenol and children's ibuprofen. And, and I remember the story sticking out in my head of my, uh, my oldest cousin, who was the first grandchild. And my aunt rushed him over to my grandma because he was having a high fever. And she took him outside in the cold weather, stripped him down, and put rubbing alcohol all over him to get his fever down. Oh. Because fevers kill babies. And it just stuck in my head for some reason. I, you know, and I think my grandma who died when I was 21, just was whispering in my ear mm. and is like, fever means something. So I took him to urgent care that night when my husband got home from work to watch the kids. And um, I had this I had this doctor come in who looked like a Dr. Seuss character. No. Oh. I mean, bottle-thick glasses and big, poofy 80s hair. And like, oh, and she even had a Dr. Seuss name, like Dr. Bartholomew or something, you know? And right, I, I right. can't even remember now. Oh, and I, she was like, well, it might be an ear infection. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Well, it might be his teeth because he was teething. Yeah, it could be. But then she mashed on his stomach. And she said, let me get another doctor. Hmm. I said, okay. So the doctor came in. He mashed on his stomach. He was like, okay, thank you. And they and he walked out. She came back in. She said, you need to go downtown to the ER. And I said, um, it's Friday the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> it's downtown ER. No. Like, you got to really convince me. This is my fourth baby. It's right. not my first radio. I am pregnant. No. And we said, I mean, she argued with me. This lady, like, wore me down. Wow. For almost 30 minutes. And she said, I will call them right now and tell them you're on your way. Ah, <sighs> fine, fine, I'll go. 
such a waste of my time. And I called my husband. I was like, I got to go down there. Yeah. And I, oh. you know what, Camille? I remember him saying, it's going to cost too much money. Yeah. Don't go. It's late. And my feelers were peaked. And I said, if I don't go Oof. and something is seriously wrong with him, I'll never forgive myself. Yeah. And so I did. And by four o'clock in the morning, they were like, he's got cancer. He's going to die before he turns one. He's going he's gonna to be dead in three months. Oh, my His gosh. His blood pressure was so high that he was about to have a stroke. And I, and then they told me to stay hydrated. <laughs> I kid <laughs> you not. That is what the doctor told me. Oh, that's great She advice. was like, Anne, you need to stay hydrated. I'm going to order you a Gatorade. <laughs> I was like, what is happening okay. right now? <laughs> And, um, and that's it because of a fever because, and he had never run a fever in his nine months. Wow. Now he was, something was wrong. My mommy feelers were telling me something was wrong with him. Yeah. I didn't even leave the hospital when he was born because I looked at him and I said, something is wrong with him. Hmm. And, and they took me very seriously at the hospital because it, again, it was not my first baby. Right. I was like, and I even said, look, y'all, hey, this is number four. Okay. I'm not being squirrely here. I'm not pulling a Rachel from Friends. You know, yeah. I've seen that episode. Where yeah, 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 yeah. It's like something's wrong with him. Yeah, wow. But, and every pediatrician appointment, something's wrong with him. Something is wrong with him. Wow. And everybody believed me. My husband believed me. My parents believed me. But he looked. But fine. he had no signs that anything yeah. was and wrong. And you don't with cancer until wow. it's too late. Oh my gosh. With childhood cancer, they're... With childhood cancer, it, it, it you're usually to the point of no return by the time they find it. Oh, wow. And we found his before that point. Wow. Because of a fever. Because of my grandma. Wow. I know. I'm going to start crying. It, it's, it's just like, for me, God has been so faithful. Mm-hmm. And he was so faithful during that time. And... And I have a, a very rocky relationship with God right now. Like, but well, we're on a break. Like, I need space. <laughs> after after yeah. my uh, my other sweetheart got hit by the car, I was like, listen, yeah. yo, we got to. Which, which, by the way, G's official diagnosis was given to me on March 15th, which is neuroblastoma. Oh. Wow. Hank got hit by that car on March 15th. Hmm. Ides of March. No, no, that's not the Ides. It is the Ides of March. Yeah. It is bizarro, girl. Yuck. But anyways. Wow. I know. I know. Yeah. What What's up with that? So you think I didn't have karma thoughts then? Sure. <laughs> I yeah. Had some major karma thoughts. I didn't really have karma thoughts with the other moments, but that one was like, oh. Wow. For the love. Yeah. Like for the love, you know? And you just go through these moments and you think, how am I going to get through it? Yep. And, yeah. And, you know, there's lots of different ways we get through it. And spirituality has been ebb and flow for me. Mm-hmm. It's been really, really strong. And then it kind of, you know, ebbs a little. And then it's yeah. really, really strong. But that's just, that's because it's me, right? It's not right. It's not the other side of the road. It's just me. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we always said, you know, we never discounted the medical professions, you know, and how they kept that, those kids alive. I mean, we, I remember a friend came from work to see her and he's like, oh my gosh, how can you leave here without her? And and I knew what he meant. It wasn't judgy at all. And I was like, well, because I don't want her to die. <laughs> you know, 
It's like, oh, you know, I can't take her. I mean, I can't do what they're doing here, you know. I can't watch her for 24 hours a day, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but we've always said, you know, power of prayer, modern medicine, it's amazing, yeah. you know. that. And so, but I know what you mean. I do. Are you spiritual? You know, I I feel like we are. I mean, we've, you know, we go to Mass and we did communion. I failed yes. and we didn't do confirmation. But, I, you know, we do all the things. Wait, wait. So are you Catholic? Yes. And you didn't do confirmation? Oh, man. I did, but the girls didn't. Oh, okay. And so um, that is, you know, that's— I. Wish we had, but we hadn't. I see. I did it as an adult because again, number seven, my parents weren't f- making it happen yeah. with us either. Yeah. They were like <laughs> the baby of the family, uh, whatever. So I was an adult when I got confirmed, as you know, whatever. So maybe the girls like, will do it. I yeah. hope they do. But anyway, so yeah, and I mean, my mom's brother's a priest, so every family gathering there was mass being said, and yes, I you know sometimes I feel like I'm more sentimental mm. about our faith mm-hmm. because I. It's just been a, such a huge part of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we never didn't go to Mass. And and that is something I've not done as well as I should. And I feel like I could do better with the girls and, and us going. And Because if I say, let's get up and we're going, everyone goes. It's really me who sometimes is kind of like, meh, meh, mm-hmm. maybe not today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, I mean, I I feel like, again— Modern medicine, I don't discount in the least. But I also feel like someone put that knowledge in those people's brains. And Mm. someone, you know, that's just my personal opinion. I mean, you know, there's people who are not, I mean, some people could study, study, study their whole life and never be a NICU doctor. Right. You know? Right. And so I think that they're, they have the gift of these big giant brains. Mm -hmm. It was so funny. They, the way they do it there is, you have a you have a team, and then when the month changes, you have a new team. They say they keep it so it doesn't get stale. Like if a child is there for a long time, it's a new set of eyes to view things. So Maurice would do extensive research mm-hmm. on the doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, you know, I think their vetting process at Texas Children's Hospital is probably pretty good. <laughs> but it was just that kind of thing. Like he would yeah. busy himself, but he could control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like, well, you know, and. It was just the funniest thing. But yeah, it was there. And then there were just moments that I could not believe it was anything other than that, than God telling me. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, intuition, whatever it comes from, I guess whatever you feel it comes from, I feel like it's God telling me to wake up, pay attention, look around, what's going on, you know? Right. And um, and it hasn't really steered me wrong, but um, but then there have been moments when I've thought like, where are you? What's going on? Not even, not so much mom, like parent moments, but like as a mother, because I feel like, like I said, our toughest days were at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And the girls are, I mean, knock on wood, but I mean, they're pretty easy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're feisty. And that's another thing that they told us. They said, this fight that they had to live is never leaving. It's never leaving them. I love that. And we were like, whoo, yeah. It was, uh, (sighs) mm mm-hmm. And it, and I felt like, and we feel that way with Mary Ellen. <laughs> you know, I mean, she's, it's the kind of funny we laugh that she will suffer in silence more. She's not as feisty as Suzanne about letting everybody know she's displeased with anything that's gone on. Um, but I've always, I remembered that he said that. And so when they were 
you know, they were doing everything every other toddler did, or and they weren't anything different. But I remember we would say, well, you know, that strong, her being so strong-willed is why she's still here. So we'll just have, oh, to, have to let it go. I'm going to remember that. The fight they have to live is never going to leave them. Yeah. Dang, yeah. that's true. Yeah. And we, I mean, that's I feel true. like with Mary Helen now, I mean, at the end of high school, you know, she's had some challenges, different things, and um, and she's just plot along, mm-hmm. you know. So and she's so tall. Well, you know that she's so tall. You know, it's funny. They said um, someone else said that when she was little. They said around two, it all evens out. Like they're not as petite. You know, she's not petite anymore. They said, well, they, she still has your genetics. I mean, she's gonna get bigger. You know, she's but like. I remember my nephew who was born three months before Mary Helen and was a typical birth birth weight and everything. My brother would go to pick Mary Helen up and was like, whoo, you know, like (laughs) she weighed nothing. You know, she was six months old, but she was like a three-month-old. You know, she was so little. She was so tiny. And um, and then it all worked out. And she went to St. Anne to pre-K, to pre-K three. And she really started when she was two because she's August 17th. And so she was two years old. And... I remember she wore little training pants. She had to be potty trained, which she was, but still, mm-hmm. training pants. And so I remember Miss Sakura said, we figured out that she's not using the bathroom because she's so little, she can't get up on the potty. Aww. I said, well, I'll bring a stool. And so we brought we bought little stools for the, because she, she was very little. But now you'd never know. I mean, yeah. she, she, I mean, I think it's, I'd say probably like kindergarten or so. She was... Same as everybody else, you know. Not super tall, not super short. Do you but, like yeah. being a mom? I love it. Is it just love everything? It. Everything yes. that you wanted before you had little babies that were yes, that were early and kind of changed the trajectory and the path of what was yes. happening? I love it. I think um, I never take for granted. Not that other people do, but I think a part of it is the struggle at the beginning. But I love, I love where they are now. I remember whenever Suzanne was done with bottles, and we always had a soapy thing of bottles, you know. And I was telling my same friend, Kathy, she has two daughters, too. They're just ahead of mine. And she said, you know, every age is fun, Camille. You know, you're, you're gonna, you think you're going to miss this baby, but you're not. You're going to, every time, every age is fun. And I was like, no, I'm going to be sad. I don't have a bottle baby anymore, you know. <laughs> but it's true. And now, like, the things that we joke around more. And I mean, they're my kids. They're not my friends and all that stuff. But like, we really, like, there's nobody I'd rather hang out with. They're funny. And I'm so lucky also that Mary Helen has never, Suzanne absolutely gravitates more to Maurice. And that's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings. They just have a tight, tight bond. And she and I do too, but it's different. Mm-hmm. And but neither of them have ever been like, oh, my mom, oh, my God. Like, Mary Helen loves it that I come to stuff and that I'm there and that I'm, you know, she she never feels, she never says to me anyway, she never, I never feel like she's like, oh, my God, why are you here? I never feel that way with her. And so it's fun. I mean, I I just can't imagine when now that she's getting older, like not seeing her every day. I mean, she's not leaving for college. She's going to nursing school here in Houston. But, you know, one day she's not going to live in my house. And I'm like, oh, you know. But I feel like it's the most fun ever. It's the biggest job. It's the most important thing I'm doing, you know. And I read a quote 
I'm going to bungle it. But at my mom's funeral, it was a Jacqueline Kennedy quote. And it said, it is, again, it's a misquote in this circumstance, but it basically said, no matter what you accomplish in your entire life, if you bungle raising your children, you've accomplished nothing. Mm. And I feel like that. I think, you know, these kids, we didn't, they didn't ask to come. We brought them. And it's my job to get them ready for the world and make them people that the world doesn't have to avoid. You know, it's just, it's, it's the most rewarding ever because I think that Suzanne is in Scouts. And when I have gone to pick her up from Scouts, if I, Maurice goes usually, but if I do, like everyone's, bye Suzanne, bye Suzanne, bye Suzanne. And it's nice that she's so loved and that she is a good kid and she's a good person. She's not mean and all the things. And and Mary Helen, I mean, she has her group of friends, of course, that she's super close with. But when I'm there, like she's friendly and people seem to like her. And I feel like, okay, you know, we've we've done an all right job with these yeah. girls, you know? Um, but yeah, I love it. I can't even, I mean, of course, Maurice and I joke about what would we be doing if we didn't have these girls? I said, we'd be traveling. That's yeah. what we'd be doing. I said, I'd have a nicer car. And now, But we laugh about it, but I can't, not that your life can't be full without kids, but mine couldn't have been. Right. Mine would have, I would have always longed for that. I would have always felt a hole in my heart if I hadn't had them. And it's just been the best gift ever. And, you know, again, everyone loves their kids. No one, you know, everyone loves their kids. I just feel like the way that, and I'm sure you feel this way about your son, it's like you have a different appreciation. If everything had just been rainbows and unicorns, you would still love them. I would always love them regardless, but I know how things could have gone. Yeah, absolutely. And so it does make me appreciate, I mean, just to me, I feel like I really do appreciate the gift they are to me. So, yes, I agree. I agree. There's... um a, a, a lot of people have put this in very different words, like they all use different language, but the consensus is that there was life before and there is life after. Mm. And you can never go back to the before. Like you can never go back to 20 weeks pregnant with Mary Ellen. Mm-mm. You can never go back to 24 weeks, 25 weeks, and then getting up to that 27. Like you will never have before. Yeah. You will only have after. And because of that, we just see things a little different. Yeah. It's not better or worse. It's right. not like more superior. You know, it's just different. Yeah. Yes, that's true. I agree. It's I just agree. different. Camille, this has been fun. Well, thanks. Thank thanks. you for, thank no. you for coming. Is yes. there any parting um, encouraging words for anyone out there that's that has some preemies and kind of scared and they're, they don't know what to do or maybe they're laying there in the hospital and they're thinking, oh, well, I look at them now at 18 and 15, and it's gone by in a blink, which I'd never believed when people said that, but it's the stinking truth. And, you know, you're going to wake up, hopefully, six months from now, and it's going to be a memory. And I can see pictures of them when they were little in the hospital, and I do it every time on their birthdays. I share a picture of them, and they're so little and everything else. But those scary memories fade. I could go back to them very easily, but they fade away. The scary, scary, stressful times fade away. And funny enough, today, there was a lady I saw on TikTok 
who just had a NICU baby. Her, you, the picture, her holding the baby, it was like two, two something is the weight. And she's like three days old. And I commented, you know, TikTok only lets you leave little comments. I was like, I probably left five comments. I was like, don't worry. You know, if, if there's, I don't know what's going on, but we have a healthy 18-year-old who was a 27-weeker and we have a healthy 15-year-old who was a 31-weeker. And, you know, it's, it, you're going to look back and, It'll be hard to remember these terrible days or these scary days. They weren't terrible. But they are scary. But they're scary. Yes, yes, they yes, scary. yes, yes. And and I'm glad I listened to my gut. I don't think your intuition will ever steer you wrong. Whatever you believe it is, if you just believe it's your spidey sense, then whatever you want to call it, <laughs> you know, whatever you call it. I There's a book, um, The Gift of Fear, and it's a really great book. I have heard of this book. You should read I it. I have not read it because it's like a, it's, okay, wait a minute. Is it written by a military man? No, it was written uh, by. It's like a security at Gavin DeBecker. Yes. Yes. It is. And he has a parent one. It's called Protecting the Gift. And I read The Gift, the gift of Fear before I was even married or anything. But it's so interesting and fascinating. And it really, I feel like every high school graduating female should be given this book and made to read it. Because it makes you, there's the one line he says, and he says, I'm going to generalize that because most violence against women, most violence in this world is against women perpetuated by men. I don't hate men. I'm not a man hater by any stretch. I'm talking about myself. Mm -hmm. But I told Maurice one day, I said, you don't let Mary Helen drive around late at night because you don't trust men either. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, again, I don't hate men at all. Yeah, but this but, is the world we live in. Correct. Yeah. So he said, when he talked about women, he's like, women are the only mammal that will get into a soundproof steel box with someone who makes them uncomfortable so they're not rude. Yeah. And he said, an elevator. The door's open. Someone standing in there gives you a little, hmm, but you're not going to be rude, so you get in. And I was like, you know what? I will never do that again. <laughs> and I will never not. It, it's the bet. You should read it. It is such a good oh, book. That just, and I saw him on yes. Oprah 100 years ago. I mean, 100 years ago. It's the I best. I have heard of this book. Someone it's really good. Someone suggested it to me through this process, yeah. through this Mom's Day process yeah. and, and creating the podcast and getting mm-hmm. started there. Like, you need to look at the gift of fear. Mm-hmm. And because his thing is, your intuition is never wrong. It's and he's. I think yes. he says the same thing. You can say it's God. You can say it. You can say it. Whatever you feel, but when a woman feels a way, there's a reason. There is absolutely so, yeah. a reason. Yes. Yeah. This has been fun. Yeah. So anyway, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for asking you. me. No, I appreciate you. Thank yeah, you. I get to talk about the girls all day. I love them. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs>